Hey. Evening. Starry sky. A starry sky, but the stars aren't out over here yet. 6.55 p.m. on the East Coast, and it's only going to get lighter and lighter for the next week or so. It's only May 8th. Only May 8th. We got until the 21st. Around the 20th, 21st, which I believe the 20th, 21st is like a Monday, Tuesday this year, something like that. I always love those times because, as you know, no surprise, I get out of here around, the show ends around 9. If I'm speedy with my exit, I'm out of here by 9.15 or so, and I just get to drive home with the sun still semi-out. Very, very brief. I get to enjoy that. There was a time, ladies and gentlemen, that after a show, because, you know, I, I would... For, I think, from 2000 to uh, maybe 12 or 13 until 2016, latest 2017, it was a Monday through Friday show, 7 to 8 p.m. It was only one hour. I don't know how we did anything in one hour anymore. Now that I've gotten so, I was, I was scared to do two gotten so used to it now we run out of time with two but um anyway when we were broadcasting from seven to eight those are some golden times ladies and gentlemen especially this time of year i'd be able to get off at eight o'clock me and the guys we'd go up to the roof watch the sunset you know just chill out it was a lot of fun and, uh, and we also had, when we had access to the roof, we don't have access to the roof anymore because some tenants in this building are so damn stupid that they left their, like, red Solo cups up there and it, it clogged some drains. People just don't know how to do anything. You know, when we used to go into parks as, as high schoolers and all that, underage, we're looking for a place to, 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 to drink a little bit, whatever the hell we swiped from somewhere or managed to smuggle out for ourselves... You know, whenever we wanted to have a little bit of adult time together, when we weren't adults, and we found a park or a, a, a bench or underneath a tree somewhere that we knew that we could we could make it our spot, we made sure we cleaned up. Not for any other reason than we wanted to be able to keep going back to that place. I can't tell you how many times, um, how many times going into the parks these days, they are just absolutely trashed, just trashed, graffiti broken glass, cups of piss. That's usually the homeless people, though. It's whatever. Why did I bring this up? Oh, because the same kind of mentality ruined our access to the roof. And we used to go up there with our family and friends on 4th of July to see all of the all of the uh, the local and non-local firework displays. Not only the the, uh, the town, high school, and some other high schools close to us but if we looked off into the distance uh, we could see like toward you know, the west that that direction we can see on uh, all along Long Island Sound just dozens of firework displays it was just really awesome that doesn't happen anymore but um, 4th of July ain't too far along maybe we'll have 
some explosives of our own. That's what made 4th of July last year so great. But it's June 8th, 2022, Wednesday evening over here. We got Jim Lee coming on with us tonight. And it'll be a mix of uh, climate. Because I, I always see some, I, I see some really interesting headlines when it comes to climate alarmism and that. And, and you know that climate is never detached from any of the world government summits that we watch. And, and it's pushed on us. And it's just part of that cycle. That wheel of, of misfortune that we have to deal with. But I want to ask him about that. Grand solar minimums. Just to freshen up on what the earth is going through right now. And what the powers that be that were... As Danny Katz was saying last night, what the powers that were are trying to throw a saddle on top of and uh, and take some credit for. So we'll do that, and then I want to ask him some other things about some the, the about cyberspace, the climate in cyberspace as well, because we haven't spoken on the show since Elon Musk and Twitter started. So I want to ask him some pointed questions about shadow banning. We all know what that is, the suppression of reach, but how far does it go? How much of the internet is an illusion? I'd love to get to that with Jim, and and we will. In the second half, we've got to get to a badass of the day. We have this hilarious story about the latest Hollywood box office bomb that I need to convey to you because this is another one of those stories that should be remembered forever and should elicit some good chuckles. And that's that's what the show is all about, you know. It's all about chuckles. All right. Thank you to Blue Monster Prep. Everybody get to Blue Monster Prep. Look through the internet superstore of preparedness in a time of imminent calamity. I hate to be so so much of a carnival barker there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, you never know. You never know. Hopefully, you never have to use it. And in 25 years, if you haven't used any of that uh, that non-perishable food, you crack it open and you have a block party. That's what I would do. 25 years from now, I say, well, Lauren, we never had to use this stuff. Let's have a block party. We're going to have lo mein and, and lasagna and breakfast and I have a whole bunch of dehydrated egg whites, some dehydrated blueberries and cream of wheat. Whatever the hell you want, we're going to have a huge block party. We have to get rid of all of our non-perishable foods. But you know what? That would be a time for celebration because it means that we staved off everything that we are uh, looking in the face right now that looks pretty ugly. We staved it off and we lasted a quarter century without having to go to the go to the mattresses. So go to BlueMonsterPrep.com and invest in radio communication in water filtration, in any of your food supplies, get it done. Make sure everybody has at least four to six months apiece in your household and have an extra six months on the side just because you know all the people in your life that don't listen to you are going to be begging for Oreos or something. Do you have any extra sunflower seeds? We're dying over here. I'm sorry. I'm getting really, really, uh, I'm exaggerating. Well, maybe I'm not. I don't know. If it's a bad situation... (laughs) Go to Blue Monster Prep. Pat and Gina, they're a lot more positive than I am. Use promo code FRANKLY for all of your your delivery. Your delivery taken off the top. Okay. There you go. On to our wonderful grab bag. As you know, we have great guests coming up. 
tomorrow, Rob should be in studio, but Frank and Jim Zell will also be calling in with big updates from Utah about Utah. They have acquired a source. It is heating up, and who the hell knows what else. And I still don't see anybody else talking about this in earnest. So let's, uh, let's see how that goes. Justin Polgar on with us on June 10th. And then next week, we kick off a whole long week of great guests. And I have to do the Saturday evening show soon. I'll tell you when that's when that's up. I did confirm Leo Zagami, though. That is July 12th. July 12th. That's going to be a great one. All right. First one up in the grab bag. Let's just sharpen our knives here, shall we? There is a blank screen. And there you go. And there I am. Healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly from a mysterious syndrome as doctors seek answers through a new national register. Very mysterious. Just a a wacky, wacky, zany mystery, says Dr. Goofy. So, um, people aged under the age of 40 being urged to go and get their hearts checked. Huh. Wow. Really? They may potentially be at risk for having sudden adult death syndrome. We covered this not too long ago. Might have even been last night. If you're under the age of 40, you might be at risk of having sudden adult death syndrome, which, of course, only uh, 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 arrived on the scene in the last year and a half. wonder what that's all about. SADS is an umbrella term to describe unexpected deaths in young people. Right. A 31-year-old woman who died in her sleep last year may have had SADS. So, you know the other thing, ladies and gentlemen, always remember, it was the church committee in the 1970s, around the time that we realized just how bad Operation Mockingbird had gotten, how they had had assets in every major newsroom from coast to coast in this country. That is also where we learned about little objects and nifty gadgets that that the CIA owns, like the heart attack gun. Don't think they won't dart a few young anti-vaxxers out there to enhance the propaganda. Don't think they won't do it. I just want to let you all know my heart is in tip-top shape. Tip-top shape. Tip-top. Tippy-tippy-top. So they're continuing with that gaslighting. Five people presume, uh, presumed dead. This is pretty, uh, pretty uh, intense right here. Five people presumed dead after MV-22B Osprey, belonging to 3rd Marine Air Wing, crashes in California desert. Apparently it had nuclear materials on it. The crash happened near Glamis, 30 miles north of the Mexican border and 150 miles east of San Diego. Naval Air Facility El Centro said that the aircraft belonged to the 3rd Marine's Air Wing which is based in uh, Miramar, San Diego. Five people were on board and all presumed dead, according to Fox 5 reporter Malik Ernest. The military has not confirmed how many people were on board, but they said initial reports was that their nuclear material on the aircraft were incorrect. So there is no... Okay, so first thing that people were reporting on is that they had nuclear material on the aircraft. Now they're saying those initial reports, which are usually the most reliable. You can say, no, they're not. Usually it's a lot of knee-jerk reporting. No, not necessarily. 
But just hold that in the back of your mind with this for as long as this stays relevant in the news, which it probably have a lifespan of about five and a half minutes. Rescue teams from Marine Corps Air Station Yuma are en route to crash site along with local fire rescue teams. So that has just happened today, this afternoon. A Missouri woman, this is from MSN.com, a Missouri woman says she caught an STD in a car and her auto insurance is going to pay out $5.2 million. Man. Man, oh man. Talk about, oh. The Missouri Court of Appeals has affirmed that an insurance company must pay $5.2 million settlement granted to a Jackson County woman who claims she unwittingly caught a sexually transmitted disease from her former romantic partner in his car. Was she having sex with the car? Did the car have herpes? In in, an opinion issued Tuesday, a three-judge panel found that the judgment entered against Geico General Insurance. Geico has to pay out $5.2 million because some... General Insurance Company, through earlier arbitration proceedings, was valid. The insurance company sought to undo the action, claiming errors were made in Jackson County Circuit Court and settlement agreement was not done in line with Missouri law. According to court papers, the woman identified in court uh, records only as M.O. notified Geico in February 2021 of her intention to seek monetary damages, alleging she alleging she contracted HPV from an insured member on his automobile. She contended the man uh, uh, caused her to be infected with STD despite being aware of his condition and the risks of unprotected sex. The insurance company declined the settlement, sending the case to arbitration. In May of 2021, the arbitrator found that the man and woman had sex inside the vehicle that directly caused or indir- or directly contributed to cause the HPV infection. What does the car have to do with this? It's not part of a car. You don't. You, you, he didn't slam into her car, and suddenly he was flung out of the wind in windshield into her car and inside of her. It's not even accident related. What What are we talking about here? How the hell is Geico? Which I don't even give a shit. How the hell is Geico actually going to be forced to pay five point two million dollars because this chick opened her legs for somebody that had an STD and didn't wear a condom? The insurance company filed motions seeking a new hearing of the evidence and the what and who cares about the evidence and for the award to be tossed out saying the judgment violated the company's rights to due process and the arbitration agreement was un uh, she is going to be worth 5.2 million some worthless hussy is going to be worth 5.2 million dollars and all she had to do was get HPV it'll probably clear up on its own I, I know that HPV can be a little a little bit more dangerous for women than men, but let's be honest. If you're going to get anything, let it be HPV. Judge Tom Chapman concurred in a separate opinion, though saying he believes Geico was offered no meaningful opportunity to participate in the lawsuit and existing law, uh, existing law regulates the insurer to status of a bystander. 
I cannot believe that this was not thrown out on the face of of the claims being made. Wow. There's Missouri. Just 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 when you thought there was you could go you could live then again we saw a lot of bad shit coming out of Missouri the last few years. All right, uh 7-11. Here is a mediaite. This is another headline from today. Man arrested for plot to kill Brett Kavanaugh. He's been identified. That's right, there was a big uh big hubbub around Brett Kavanaugh's house. Somebody was caught out there arrested with a gun with the intention to cause harm to Brett Kavanaugh who has been uh, has been helping the progressive cause more than the conservative uh, pro-constitution cause since being since being confirmed man arrested for plot to kill Kavanaugh identified told police he was upset about the justice's views on abortion and guns Nicholas John Rosk of Simi Valley, California. Rosk was arrested around 1.50 a.m. on a street near Kavanaugh's home after he called 911 and made violent threats against the justice, reportedly furious over recent mass shootings and a leaked draft opinion that would overturn Roe versus Wade. He's willing to kill a man who, in his mind, may be standing in the way of complete and utter disarmament, even though the, his- the historical record on what happens to innocent citizens of any nation on earth when they are completely disarmed or it is made increasingly difficult for them to uh, 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 attain and use firearms to protect themselves their family their property this man in his mind is going after brett kavanaugh wanting to kill him because he stood in the way of disarmament and legal dismemberment of living children that's what he wanted to kill brett kavanaugh over think about that for a second now i don't condone this kind of activism at all or that kind uh that attempt of uh, violence murder intimidation at all if that is what your idea requires and it sucks but think about that in a sane world i would actually better understand the inverse than what we have right here if you thought somebody was going after children and was going to dismember uh, dismember children and was going to uh, disarm the public, knowing the historical toll, the death toll that is correlated with disarmament, you, you would think that people would be more willing to go after those who, uh, who stood in the way of the opposite. But no. No. No, my friends. No. Um, if you want to see the uh, the, assa- the would-be assassin's godmother, probably, you probably saw this woman. I, I tweeted it I tweeted it out when I first saw it a day or two ago on Twitter. Here's a uh, friendly HR woman that just, I think she's from Canada, and she's letting people know that we're, we're, we're watching you, and if you don't want to take vaccines and this and that, we're going to take really like, glee in making sure that you have nothing left of your life or your opportunities to work and support yourself. Take a look at this. Really, really, um, she's just very cozy, very cuddly. I can imagine why anybody would spend the rest of their, their lives with her, of course. Some rights and freedom, that would tell you that. But since you seem to forget that, and you're all loud and proud with your big thoughts and your big, big ideas, and you want to whatever, fucking set up hot tubs in Ottawa. I'm a recruiter. It's a small, small, small industry. 
smaller than you'd think. So, so the, the, the spasming bitch, the facial spasming bitch, which I'm actually very happy to hear that she's lost her job. Good. Good. Now, that she, now she can go back and live under the, uh, the desk of Nurse Ratched somewhere. But the spasming face bish, bitch, um, she's a recruiter. So she's letting everybody know how we here in recruitment and in HR, we're, we're all a bunch of salty females and we are going to band together to do war with the world because this is exactly what HR, I believe, in my experience, attracts. It attracts mostly, and I'm sure that we have some people in this audience that do HR, and I'm sure that they are virtuous. I'm not saying not painting with a broad stroke, but you know my feelings about HR, okay? I believe that salty, disgusting women are attracted to HR because it requires, A, no skill whatsoever, none. You just have to be a social hypochondriac to be in HR, and it gives them a small amount of power over people, and that, of course, means the world. Same with HR. So, if you're looking for a job, or maybe trying to keep a job, maybe, just maybe, think about what you're putting on social media. Yes, think about what you're putting on social media, toad face. I swear to God. I swear to God, like some weird subspecies of toad became stricken with mad cow disease. And imagine the smell coming from her mouth. Every, every huffy, huffy, puffy word as she passively aggressively tries to I mean it's just it's just incredible this is a face that stares down at you mockingly as you're strapped to a gurney in a dungeon and taunts you okay this psychopathy manifests in the in mainstream ways now I'm glad she lost her job but it's not because she doesn't she doesn't represent her department it's just that she made a mistake in being so outward and naked with her contempt for who their, um, their potential candidates for employment are one day. Again, freedom fighters. I know you're not really big with stats and, you know, facts aren't your thing, you know. But what I can tell you, what is a fact, is that recruiters talk. And recruiters, like the majority of Canada, don't agree with you. Oh, you know, God, can you imagine the smell? That means, do you have any guesses? Any guesses what that means? What that means is that if you need a job, you might not get one. Oh, wow. Well, there's your face. There's the, there's the eyes. It's all you need to know. And she goes on to even say this is about women. Fuck to you. Recruiters are watching. HR is watching everywhere. And we hate you. We hate you so much. And you think we can't do anything. But we can. We Oh, God. Don't breathe in. Don't breathe in. Wherever you are in the country, you can probably still smell it. Always remember that. Doesn't matter if there's a fucking man at the top of your HR department. It's run by women. And it's run by angry women just like me. Thank you. Thank you for confirming exactly what I've always known about HR. Thank you. Doesn't matter. You're a useless bitch. Completely useless. You'll go to your grave useless. There's no turning around... There's no turning around that train. Nope. All right, we'll be right back. We got Jim Lee on. That'll be a little bit more sanity. I can get all this. Man, I feel my heart palpitating. I hope I don't have sads. Be right back.
You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! RJD2. You feel it. It feels good. A toast to all of the cats that have to live with women like that. Oh boy. Well, it's 7.20 p.m. And I have so much I can go through. We have these 10 creepiest and most dystopian things pushed by the World Economic Forum. I guess this is to date because it goes back to, you know, you'll own nothing, be happy, penetrating governments. That's what we heard uh, Klaus Schwab being very happy and jubilant about, especially with Justin Trudeau and controlling minds using sound waves. We learned about that. This is from VigilantCitizen.com. The pills that contain microchips, that's from a couple of years ago. They said you'd be able to uh, swallow a pill, a microchip will go into your belly, and then we'll be able to control your body that way. Number seven, praising massive lockdowns. They had to retract a couple of these, these, um, these tweets and things like that because they were, they were too close to coming out with it and saying that the lockdowns were great for the world. Let's go back to doing it. In fact, we've been talking about, it was probably around late 2020 that everybody started saying, you know, all the smog is being cleared up and all that stuff. And nature is reclaiming the national parks and we see a resurgence in deer and every other invasive species out there. But um, they started floating the idea that we need climate lockdowns and all that. And it's coming back. It's coming back, it always is, if they're not talking about lockdowns or having you eat bugs to be able to preserve the, the, the climate and the sanctity of whatever vision for the world that they have, they're also doing other things like carbon taxes, carbon footprints. What we learned from the guy, that one guy at WEF at, the, at Davos this year was that they want to be able to track you through your phone to make sure they know where you're going, how you're traveling exactly tallying what your carbon footprint, what your expenditure is. How much CO2 you're creating, because God knows they don't want the planet to be that green. What else do we have here? Pushing for the Great Reset. We know that that's all encompassing. Takes this. Takes this one and and one and all. Recalibrating freedom of speech. If they don't have censorship, how the hell are they going to be able to push this on people without there being any kind of logical pushback? Tracking your clothes. The WEF wants to control your clothes. They made a video about it. Did I mention that people absolutely hate 
World Economic Forum videos, but they keep putting them out there. Then again, if you have free speech recalibrated, you can push out whatever you want and all the likes will be fake. And we'll talk about fake likes and fake users and fake metrics tonight with Jim Lee as well. Smartphones will be in your body by 2030, says Nokia CEO Pekka Landmark or Lundmark. That was at 2022. He was talking about that. But that is nothing compared to what uh, Klaus Schwab had said about brain chips not being something that actually works in concert with your own desires and your inquiries, but that brain chips are eventually going to be a part of your own identity, identity as you are assimilated into the Borg. Not you. I know that you're very smart, but they're thinking about mushy-brained future generations that they think that they can they can continue to destroy through education which has already stripped away the very basic and very eternal foundations of what we know to be mankind right down to our genetics to gender that's all been stripped away so as i said before any generation that can accept that can accept a chip in their brain let's get in touch with jim lee because i want to talk about the the atmosphere First, you know Jim Lee. He's been on the show since a lot since 2018. A good friend of ours, good friend of mine, climateviewer.com. His work is unmatched in these fields of cybersecurity and what the nature of the Internet is and, of course, what's going on in the skies. Jim, Jim Lynn Lee, how are you? Jim Lynn? <laughs> he doesn't hear me. That was a great flow into the into the, the conversation too. It doesn't he, Jim? Now I can hear you. Great, wonderful. Yeah, I had it set up in advance, and then all of a sudden it's like, bro, why don't I hear anything? Am I just <laughs> muted? Well, course, it's like select speaker, and I had eighteen sound outputs. It was it was almost a perfect transition, but either way, at least it wasn't like that last call we did where uh, twenty minutes we tried to get you on. You remember that? Oh, but then I bought a nice mic like you got. I, I said, I gots to get me a sure mic. I know. The, well, the SN7B is, is pretty universal right now for not only pot, uh, uh, internet broadcasting, but my, I think my brother even uses it a little bit for his audio, um, audio tracking in the other room. So it's a pretty versatile mic, and you sound great. Well, I saw even Harry Mack... Um freestyle rapper that I that I follow um he went from a roadcaster to um a sure so I mean everybody's using them I mean Joe Rogan to you know poor people like us I know <laughs> but um how you doing brother I'm doing all right some chat what's it the, ch guys over there the chat up. always loves when you come by man we they, they know that they're going to be taken for a ride and we're going to go to all different types of Places and the first place I want to go is into the atmosphere with you. Now, there's there's something into space, baby. I know, I, I know. I, I want to understand something here, though. Um, this is recently. Now, it's been a while since we talked about the climate change issue, the wedge issue of climate change on this show, and it's but it, it's never excluded from the global global government summits that we've been looking at with Davos. They're talking about carbon uh, footprints and and uh, tracking and, and anything else, taxes. That's, of course, in tandem with digital banking, transhumanism, and always censorship. But there's one thing I'd like to start off with tonight, and it's, a, it's this report from the NOAA that states, let me get this uh, screen capture up, here you go. It states this, how cleaner air is causing more hurricanes 
So now they're, they're, they're stating that less pollution is creating more hurricanes, and on the opposite side of the country in the Pacific, they're saying more pollution has actually led to less severe typhoon seasons and all that stuff. Now, I mean, what, could, what can be taken from this schizophrenic time of re- reporting uh, from the climate lobby, Jim? Okay, so you remember uh, how they, they, I don't know if you remember this, but basically they had like a 10-year hiatus on, um, you know, like cat three and above hurricanes hitting America. Yes. And this lasted from about like 2006. It was the Obama administration. It's the Obama administration. so, So they were failing in the argument that climate change is causing bigger hurricanes, more deadly hurricanes. Um, and that quickly came to a change. And, you know, if you want to be conspiracy, uh, well, you know, the Department of Homeland Security had a hurricane control workshop, the hurricane modification workshop in 2008. And that coincides with, you know, the decrease in hurricanes. So were they just steering them away or was something else going on? And you've slowly seen, you know, they, they always shift the window. And now it's and by the way, this has been a prevalent discussion for a long time. Less p- pollution will equal more global warming. Um, you can go back 2006, 2000, I mean, even like 2002. I remember seeing some of the first articles that would say less pollution. Um, <laughs> they're asking what my shirt says. It says, make your own path. I hope you all make your own path. Um, and hurricanes definitely make their own path. Uh, but at the end of the day, what they're talking about, specifically in this NOAA article, scientifically, their explanation is that if there's less pollution, then there's less sun blocked. And if there's less sunlight blocked, there's warmer oceans. And warmer oceans, you know, fuel stronger storms. So, but, but then this would this would go this would go completely in the opposite direction of anthropomorphic climate change because if we're if we're lessening the impact of of pollution that is obviously caused by human beings and climate change continues in in I mean, the opposite starts happening and we get more severe weather, then this is just a natural progression of things that was always going to happen more or less um at the end of the day, and I've reiterated this. You know, for over 13 years now, um, they do not know shit about the atmosphere. Okay, um, it, it, my weather predictions are never right. Um, you know, and I check like 30, 13, 20 different sources whenever my wife asks me what the weather's going to be like. I'm like, oh, let me try to figure this out because they clearly haven't. Um, it is such a complex system for them to boil it down and literally boil it to co2 is or this is the reason why um no it's an extremely complex system we know very little about um we probably know more about dna than we know about the atmosphere and that's freaking creepy um we know less about the bottom of the ocean than we know about DNA than we know about the atmosphere. I mean, it's it's just retarded at this point. Um, they just discovered trioxides um, the other day um, from isoprene and dimethyl sulfide up in the air, and they're saying, oh, this may be the new, um, you know, worst 
case scenario for global warming. This might actually be the cause, these trioxides. Um, so every day I read something new where they just found some brand new molecule in the sky that they never even knew were there. So the, the simple answer is you cannot trust these technocrats, these globalist technocrats who build these computer models because computer models are based on flawed premises that you understand all the variables. Um, whether it's predicting which way a hurricane is going to go, predicting which way the temperature of the planet's going to go. God forbid if you're just trying to um, predict uh, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the weather on the more between trioxides and ozone. We'd, we'd literally get into our discussion about that. Um, but they they cannot put all of the information in there. There is no computer on the planet that could even handle all the information if they had it, and they don't have enough information to make the kind of determinations they do. Um, but back to what you were saying about China. So the flip side is also true having too much pollution in the sky is the same thing as overseeding or cloud seeding but putting too many seeds in the sky when you have a finite amount of water vapor in the sky and then you put too many seeds for them to stick to then it does not fall as rain so if you have too much pollution localized in an area near a hurricane um, Generally speaking, hurricanes have enough water, all right? They've got all the water. Every seed you add to it is just going to make it worse. I don't see how they're making this argument. Um, many who've tried to say, you know, talk about how to steer hurricanes, talk about dumping carbon black soot into hurricanes in large portions in certain areas because it absorbs solar radiation, it absorbs heat and heating a certain part of a, of a hurricane could steer it in a direction. So how is China, the world's largest producer of um, you know, pollution in India, right next door, how, how, are, how is their pollution going to lessen the strength of hurricanes locally but intensify storms on you know our coast if the rest of the world so they're basically saying as the united states puts out less pollution we're going to have more hurricanes now you got to ask yourself why would they even make this argument yeah i mean it, that's that's the first thing that always jumps out at well me, you like, know Jim, why the headline exactly why because if everything else is so muddied if all the if all the models are already based largely on just fantasy and what you want to be true then then why not just lie why not just why just why not lie and say that hey things are continuing you know, we have to clean up even more because hurricanes are coming back hard like why well, I mean, it's a tough one because I think that, you know, to, to, to broad stroke blanket paint all scientists as in on the game is unfair, just as it would be to say that all people like us are conspiracy theorists. Um, I think that there are scientists out there who generally, um, you know, do want to buck the system. Um, one of which was Chuck Long. He uh, he worked at uh, NOAA um, at the 
um, C-Res Earth Systems Research Lab, and he came out and said the unthinkable that a- airplanes are accidentally geoengineering the sky, except whenever he gave his original presentation, um, he just said geoengineering. Planes are geoengineering the sky, and he talked about, you know, less light, um, you know, diffuse light and all of these issues. Of course, um, I went to actually go and interview him and realized that he had just died. Um, And, of course, nobody's followed up on that research since. So there's always going to be, you know, the Dr. Robert Malone's, you know, the, the, the scientists out there who want to speak truth to power that don't like their research being used as a weapon. Um, and I, I, I saw in the title, you know, what do you read? I, I missed it, but um, I saw that you, I, you, did you watch uh, What is a Woman? I did. Oh, I mean, first of all, I already love Matt Walsh for his dry humor. Yes. But he didn't even really need to be funny for that to be just a clown show. And it just, it accentuates that science is fallible for certain, um, that scientists are human and that if, um, Dr. Judy Wood's another one. If you put theory before evidence gathering, you will all, almost always come to the conclusion you are seeking to come to. You should gather all the evidence possible, admit what you don't know, and then draw a theory based on that and test that theory. And that's not how the science works nowadays. Um, and we've seen that with you know the you know the jab and all that stuff lately. You know, just just rush it out there, man. We'll just you know we'll find out what happens in the long run. Um, so science is getting scarier and scarier because they're, they don't have this self-checking mechanism where they go, look, we, we're willing to admit what we don't know. And I think that that's, you know, that's the most human way of putting it. If you, if you can't, and in my audience, I tell them all the time, I'm like, don't trust me because I could be wrong. The day we all agree is the day we could all be wrong. So... I think that well, science really needs that same sort of mentality. Well, let me ask you that. This then, going going off of what you just said about them not knowing, the not knowing and moving ahead anyway. You know, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to jump into this one medical experiment with the public, and we're just going to see what happens as it goes along. On the opposite side of knowing, and this is what I, you've talked about this before, but it's been a while, so I want to do it again. You were talking about this... Um, this uh, almost like apocalypse fatigue kind of cycle around climate change that has to do with what they know is going to be a natural part of this grand solar minimum that is almost upon us. How uh, Explain the grand solar minimum, what it entails, uh, how long it lasts, what, what's going on here, because I remember coming to the conclusion with you before that it, it seems like the, the climate industry, the climate change uh, lobby, they are just really positioning themselves to politically appropriate the natural cycle that we're about to be flung into. Okay. Well, apparently I can't share a screen, but I was, I had some stuff prepared. Wait, 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 wait. I can, I think I can, I just did this last night with my, uh, with my guest last night. Let me make you a, uh, 
let me make you a host because because charts are fun right let's have fun with charts there you go you're a host now you can you can do whatever the hell you want let's see what we can do here let's do some damage all right um advanced sharing options is just one okay i want to share a screen damn it make it easy uh yeah that one all right share all right so we can see this all at home yes yes okay all right so up on the screen right here this is um solar cycle 25 and typically solar cycles they run in the 12 to 13 sometimes 14 years but generally speaking you know 11 to 13 years um ranges from solar minimum down here up to solar maximum right about 2025 and then all the way back down to solar minimum in 2032. Now, in context, you look at the solar cycle compared to the last one, and what you see is this. This is 22, 23, 24. This is solar cycle 25. In fact, let's not just use one source or one chart because I don't ever trust anybody. Let's use a couple. And what you see is the same thing over and over again. This is back to 1900 peak, 1920 peak. And then you see it all the way up to 1960 at its highest peak, smooth sunspot numbers. And then it drops and it drops and it drops. This is 2010. And then it just went down from there. So on a grand scale, you could see a steep drop off here and this is what it looks like just in the past you know for scale 1980 90 2000s to, to present it we're on a downward trend again so the question becomes um you know when are we when are we actually going to hit that trough when is because as with the 13 year solar minimum solar maximum scale that we have we also have a grand solar maximum and minimum so while it's doing this and it's doing its minimums and maximums over a long period of time we have these like what was called the menander minimum um the mini ice age things like that these are on the scales of hundreds to thousands of years so the theory has been put out there that we are headed towards a grand solar minimum that the, the sun will you know continue to diminish in output and there is a big misunderstanding about solar maximum versus solar minimum and sunspots and earthquakes so as the sun is actually at its weakest point we tend to have more earthquakes and as the sun is at its solar maximum that's when our ionosphere is at its strongest because it's powered by the sun so if we have a if you think of the earth as the starship enterprise our shields are at full capacity during the solar maximum and they are weakened if not gone during a solar minimum so what does this mean it means <clears throat> at least as it pertains to earthquakes that during a solar minimum more energy is being absorbed at ground level which is now 
releasing larger earthquakes, causing volcanic activity, that sort of thing. Um, it also leads to increased cloud formation, which should lead to cooling um, because more galactic cosmic rays can penetrate deeper into the atmosphere, um, more radiation at lower levels in the atmosphere. And that is the key ingredient for making clouds. You need water, you need dust, and you need some kind of spark, some uh, static electricity. It's usually in the form of galactic cosmic rays. Um, so all of this is, you know, plays into it, none of which has been currently modeled in the IPCC models, in the climate change models. Um, they really, they haven't even included it. I think um, the, the sixth report that just came out, they said they were going to start to include solar modeling and all of that in it. But up to this point, it's been completely ignored much to the chagrin of the electric universe community and uh, scientists who actually understand that there's much more at play here than what we understand. Now, you, you put this together with the fact that the sun puts out more energy in a second than every power plant on the planet does in a year per square foot in our ionosphere. Um, it's like Tesla said, you know, tap the breast of heaven and have unlimited energy um, because there is unlimited energy up in the higher parts of our atmosphere. Um, but with this solar minimum coming, if we do hit a grand solar minimum, you're talking devastation for crops. You're t talking an entire shift in the way everybody on the planet lives and not in the way that people are talking about with global warming. And that that's where the nefarious part of this kind of comes in. Um, is it possible that people are, you know, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, all of these think tanks, like, you know, the Council on Foreign Relations, the CIA, um, you know, uh, Harvard's G Solar Geoengineering Group, um, the National Science Foundation, all of these people that are pushing for a global governance of geoengineering or blocking out sunlight in order to cool the planet. Is it possible that they are aware that we are headed in a cooling trend? And they want to pass these laws so that they can get geoengineering programs legalized in place in public so that, A, they can claim victory and say, we saved the planet from global warming. Look, it's cooling off. B, control worldwide weather, i.e., if you dump chemicals into the stratosphere to block sunlight out, you change rainfall patterns worldwide, just like volcanoes do. So if they were to legalize geoengineering, they could control water and water is life. And they can literally choose who lives and who dies on a worldwide basis under the guise of saving us from global warming and then claim victory when we continue to cool off which was gonna happen anyway. Just appropriating the natural cycle. Right, I mean, never let a good disaster go to waste. Well, never, never let an understanding of a natural process be understood by the masses if you can take advantage of it. 
Um, and I think that that's the same case. Wow. Yeah, I see that it makes perfect sense, scary sense. When was the last uh, grand solar minimum? Because obviously when you talk about something of this kind of devastating uh, effect on everyday life, then, I mean, that's obviously not our lifetimes. Are, is this, does this correl- correlate with every ice age or what? Um, let, me, let me look this up because it's been a minute. It's kind of out of my wheelhouse. I haven't done it for quite a while. Um, but I think last one was around 800 years ago. So the Menander minimum was in about 1650 through 1700. So that's really not that far off. The mini, the mini ice age um, was back in 1650 to 1700. So about 200 years ago. Um, the Dalton minimum was in the 1800s, but it was just a small bump. Um, but these sorts of things, they they really they don't have a prediction for them because. You have to have observational data, okay? So we haven't been observing this sort of thing for very long. But if you look at the longer term based on things like tree rings, rock formations, um, things like that, uh, they're even showing like, you know, the era of great migration uh, back in, uh, this is a, what, 1700 BC, to 1100 BC, very warm, to 250 BC, extremely cold, uh, Mount Vesuvius, Mount Etna, um, you know, eruptions, the, the Grecian Empire cold period, um, through, you know, the, the early 200s, it warmed up, that was the Roman Empire, through the Dark Ages of um, 600 to 900 AD, um, Krakatoa, Indonesia, a whole, uh, at least 10 other eruptions. Hmm. And then the Little Ice Age, which was from about 1350 to 1800, which was known as the Little Ice Age, and at least 90 major eruptions. So let's just, just riddle me this. If you legalize geoengineering, and I've told this to, to Ken Caldera and David Keith directly, so if you guys do what you say you want to do, what happens if you're already cooling the planet and blocking sun, and then we have a bunch of massive volcanic eruptions? You are already shooting to cool the planet by two degrees. Mount Pinatubo cooled the planet by about 1.9 degree, um, degrees Celsius by itself in 1991. Just one volcano, no. Mount Pinatubo, 1991. So what if we have one of these super volcanoes go up, let alone 10, 20, 30, shit, 90 on this chart right here? Um, what happens then? We are dead. I mean, we are dust. We are screwed. All crops will fail. Um, and, and, and to boot, you know, relying extremely heavily on solar energy, Solar energy has no future if we geoengineer, but simultaneously, if we go to a completely solar economy, we're screwed in the event of a bunch of volcanic eruptions. So we have to have this balance. I mean, we have to we have to do everything in a balance. Life is a balance. Um, obviously, the sun has its own balance. It goes through its own periods where it's cranky, and then when it's sleepy. Um, 
and you know it does it does this on a regular 13 year cycle but on the grander scale of things we really don't know speaking of the sun i know this is a little bit off topic but perhaps not um you ever hear people documenting their thoughts and i guess maybe sometimes it could just be power of suggestion but i certainly have thought about it myself too it's just memory it's just i don't know things that we have on tape have you ever heard people making the claim that the sun used to be maybe even just 15 to 20 25 years ago yellow and now it's a lot more of this white 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 this yeah yeah. i mean i i feel like my entire it, it, maybe it's just the romanticism of looking back into your past, but I feel like every summer in the 1990s was a was was wrapped in a a golden glow of yellow sun, and now it's just a little bit more. Of, I I just don't know. It, I I do believe it's a little more <laughs> icy. Well, this goes back to the Chuck Long guy I was talking about and how he kind of popped the bubble on airplanes and geoengineering. He, he particularly focused on what he called sky brightening. Okay? So, the, the, the way I differ from 99% of the people who talk about chemtrails is that I'm eternally curious, and I know that not only do I not know everything about them, that neither do any of the scientists. And what Chuck Long brought up that was so interesting was he wasn't even talking about the contrails, persistent contrails, aviation-induced cloudiness, cirrus clouds. He wasn't even talking about the white lines everybody's bitching about. What he said was there is a contrail-induced subvisual ice haze that is whitening the sky. Hmm. And you know this is true, and everybody talks about, oh, I remember blue skies. And I had literally made a video called I Remember Blue Skies about this topic. Um, that if you look directly up, it's bluish. And then you look at the horizon, and it's milky white. You're right. You've seen this. Yes. Everybody in this chat has seen this. That's because as you look further towards the horizon, you're looking through a longer portion of the atmosphere. In a direct line of sight, you're talking 500 miles, 800 miles, you're in space. Whether you believe the Earth is flat or not, that's the real deal, Holyfield. As you're looking off towards the horizon, you're talking several thousand miles that you're viewing through. It's wider because you see more of those ice crystals. So he, what he talked about is diffuse light. Because the, the ice crystals are so small, they're not, they're not visible to the naked eye. They are almost an aerosol. They're actually diffusing light. Light is hitting those ice crystals. They're reflecting and refracting off of each other, and they are making the sky brighter. Therefore, when you're observing the sun, it would seem whiter. <clears throat> Do you do you remember Cliff High's web bot? No, I I, so, I know I know I know Cliff High. I don't know his work too well, but I definitely don't know what the web bot is. 
So the web bot was this thing that would basically scan the internet for collective thought. It would take in all the social media posts, all of the news media, and then make predictions. And apparently it famously predicted the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear meltdown. I don't even remember that happening, but apparently that happened. Um, and I followed it for a while that, um, you know, the web bot and it would talk about space goat farts. I figured out what that is. Not going to share it with you, my secret. Um, but, yeah. you know, it was mentioned by this AI algorithm that kept spitting out these things. And one of the things that um, it said was that in the future that the sun would become whiter. And I, and that one stuck with me. I, I remember it, almost everything I read, um, like 99.9%. And I, I was like, you know, we're there now. Like that literally was like early 2008. And who's the guy, who's the guy again that you said in the beginning was talking about the whitening of the skies? Chuck Long, um, Charles Long. He goes by, he went by Chuck. And I actually was doing a follow-up video you know, just kind of rehashing things that I had learned. And, um, this, this actually came out, um, and, and I want to be for certain on this, but I'll check weather mod history. Um, but it, you know, basically he came out with this, you know, this, you know, proclamation that it was accidental geoengineering. I think it was 2018, I want to say. Um, and this year, I was kind of, you know, doing a rehash, you know, because I've got gained so many new subscribers. There's so many people that you're not going to go back and watch old videos. So you kind of refresh, you know, material, kind of do summaries of it. And I took it upon myself to actually email him. And then I realized um, something was going on because the email was dead. And I said, well, let me look into that. Maybe he's at a different, you know, office or something. No, he is dead. Oh, damn. Um so I never was able to like, you know, really probe him further on this, but Chuck Long was obviously onto something. Um, and I'm not saying that his death, death was nefarious or anything like that. Um, but he, he clearly was an observational scientist. He wasn't bound by the boxes of everybody else. Um, he, he saw a trend, he studied it, he took measurements, and then he came to the conclusion, well, shit, we're geoengineering. It's just, it's, it's, not any, it's not even something anybody was thinking about. It's ice haze. Um, so that's, that's the one thing that nobody really understands about the whole aircraft exhaust pollution problem that is geoengineering, including other prominent geoengineering uh, websites that talk about planes are geoengineering, but they don't understand the science at all. Um, they won't mention this sort of thing. Hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's unfortunate, but these are the facts. And I just, I gather facts and I draw my correlations to that. I'm sure in two years, there'll be a whole new set of facts. Um, you know, I had a, I have a friend um, who went on a road trip not too long ago, and he would check in uh, with us from time to time. And he even actually we had a couple of friends, um, but especially when they went by south, by southwest, or in certain parts of the Midwest, 
where there was not a lot of uh, plane activity, not a lot of uh, activity overhead, they would send back pictures and saying, guys, look, look at these skies. And they were that, it was almost like a ro- royal blue. It, it, it looked so deep. I, obviously, not, It looked so deep. It looked like a royal blue. Big, fluffy clouds again. Uh, it's things that I, re- I kind of just remember. And I Arizona wish, was like that for me. Well, I mean, this is recently, too. So I just wonder. Yeah. Obviously, this is r- regional operations that, that, that are probably being run. Um, is, is that what happens? Because it, 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 it must be that there are some days that you, if even if you're in a high-traffic area, there may be some days that you get a, a glimpse of what things were if, if they let up even a little bit. Uh, what I wish I could have observed, Jim, is that summer of 2020, I live right next to, you know, within about a five or six mile radius of Westchester Airport. And during the day, especially during the summer, it is every three and a half minutes another plane coming overhead in for a landing or taking off mm-hmm. or whatever. I wish I had, I had observed the skies a little bit better in that summer of 2020 when there was no air traffic because of COVID. I, I wish I oh, could have. I, I did. I did. And um, in fact, I, I, I put it out to my audience. I got so many emails about this because in, um, in 2001, during the 9-11 attacks, they grounded all flights for two days. I remember that. And what happened was... Basically, Air Force One and two F-16s were flying in a cloudless sky. And NASA caught a photo of this. And they caught a photo of the contrails, the chemtrails, the cirrus clouds created by those aircraft, those three aircraft covering three states. And from that, a couple of really smart guys, Patrick Menace, um, David Travis, um, these guys, Langley Research, um, they, they said, well, you know, this is a great opportunity to really look at how do clouds affect climate. And what they came to the conclusion was that when the planes weren't flying, the diurnal temperature range. I love using these big science words, chat, so that you guys can learn with with us all. We can all grow a little bigger brain, you know, less less smooth brain, more wrinkles. Um, the diurnal temperature range, or the difference between the temperature during the day and during the night. And what they realized was that during those two days when there were no flights, the gap increased a lot. And what this taught us was that because of airplane pollution creating clouds it creates a blanket that traps heat at the ground and that heat that radiation that all these global warming alarmists are worried about cannot escape back to space but when there are no clouds it is able to escape back to space and it gets cooler at night so during that two two just two days they noticed a marked change in the temperature at night, which they believed was caused by the planes that were making the clouds. So I made this prediction like maybe three months into the 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 COOF lockdowns that we're literally going to go on a year or two break from air, you know, the airplane problem. 
I mean, comparatively. And I said, I cannot wait till like 2022, maybe 2024, when I start to get to read the research papers on how this affected the climate. And they're already coming out. Well, that's already, there's already reports coming out, you know, that are going, yeah, they're, we have drastically underestimated the role of planes and cloud creation and the role of clouds in the radiation budget of the planet. And so, I mean, just, just back to what I said from the get-go, the IPCC models, the global warming models, the computer models are wrong. If you type the numbers in, garbage in, garbage out. Um, and it, it takes extreme, you know, <laughs> measures or, you know, lockdowns or whatever for us to even get a glimpse at some of these variables. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I was observing it. I mean, in my neck of the woods in South Carolina, deepest blues I've ever seen. I was out there literally just taking photos. Most people take photos of chemtrails. I'm out there taking photos going, check this out, you jelly, you know, and... um People were just, uh, I'm like, I got white, fluffy clouds. I mean, like, freaking Bob Ross fucking fluffy clouds right now in my backyard. I got friends friends in different parts of the country over the last couple of years who would send me those types of pictures. They say, yo, look at this beautiful. And then they'll give me an after picture the very next morning, and there is that that milky sheet of just it looks like sm- it looks smoky the cirrus clouds it, it just yeah. it's just weird I, i'll tell you it's just like looking through everything through several layers of screen doors you know just having yeah. certain levels of screen doors out there on, on the sky right above us and i always wonder about that and i wish i'd been a little bit more observant in 2020 but to your point about about looking at these models we're looking at the data, I should say, in 2023, 24, when they come out about what had happened. Um, I don't know how public they're going to go with that, but maybe they will as far as, as – as they'll, they'll blame it on consumer air travel, though, Jim, because, because what we had so, seen in the middle of 2020 was that they started getting really excited about the idea of having climate lockdowns toward toward fall of 2020 they're like wow the smog is being cleared up in certain cities around the world we see the horizon for the first time the animals are coming back to national parks and state parks and it's great only us elitists with our private jets can still fly and uh you know and and, and their ships and and all of their major tanker ships all uh all the ship you you talk about ship tracks all world commerce that these elitists with their planes own that won't be disrupted. They just don't want us enjoying life, enjoying the planet, and uh, and traveling and being free. Yeah, I actually got banned from YouTube for a week, and they banned me from Discord, me personally, and deleted my Discord chat because I read a letter from the airline industry to Joe Biden where the CEO of every single airline company said, the science no longer... Um, you know, follows what the mandates are. And all I did was read the letter and they used Joe Biden's own words. COVID need no longer um, run our life. 
in, you know, they say, you said this, Mr. President, now please stop killing our industry and let us, you know, not have, have to require people to show a, you know, negative test two weeks in advance, you know, so they can get on a plane because you're killing our companies. Um, and all I did was read the letter and I got banned from Discord and I got, uh, uh, you know, you've gotten these as well, uh, medical misinformation strike on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I was banned for a week. Um, so, I mean, you know, this kind of takes us into the next topic, which, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, get, you know, not cover is, you know, this whole shadow banning. This yes. is all about mind control. Okay. So then let me, let me set this up then. I'm so happy you brought this up because I was looking at the clock and I want to give you at least 10 minutes to talk about this because yeah. disinformation, it doesn't matter what the, what it is. A place like Twitter, for instance, that is a place where many stories, many stories, many narratives have been protected through censorship. They protected the Biden family uh, when we when everybody found and was was looking through the insane litany of crimes that are that that are on display in his son's laptop. Uh, of course, everything that happened in 2020, you couldn't talk yeah. about alternative, readily available, cheap, safe treatments. You couldn't talk about anything, but. Ever since Elon Musk stepped up, Jim, and uh, and tried to acquire Twitter, it has reignited the talk about how much of the Internet is comprised, namely Twitter, but how much the Internet is comprised of spam, artificial intelligence, deep state astroturfing, and most importantly, suppression of reach for people like you, me, and a lot of our friends out there, whether they're doing videos or blogs. Is there anything you can tell us? about shadow banning that we haven't heard that really affects the way that we actually see, you know, the, the, I, I mean, what, what is the reality of metrics on the internet, especially for people like us? Okay, so they're all fake. Um, y y you cannot look at any of the social media platforms. Let's just talk about, I'll, I'll, I'll we'll stick to the big four. So we're gonna talk about Instagram, um, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about TikTok because that's a freaking Chinese company. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, much like when Donald Trump was elected, I voted for the guy not because I thought he walked on water, not because I thought that, you know, he was an ultra conservative. I voted for a human hand grenade because fuck the system it's broken the best thing that can happen is a disruptor get in there yep similarly elon musk trying to acquire twitter same same here comes a human hand grenade not bound by you know while every you know billionaire on the planet saying we're we're overpopulating the planet here's elon saying no we actually don't have enough people on the planet you could fit all the people on the planet into the state of new york shoulder to shoulder and we need more people so when he when he started this you know process i have literally had so many of my longtime viewers you know biggest fans going you're not looking at this right jim um i think that you you see him as one of us no you're not look you're not looking at this right do you understand what's about to happen if he makes this company private the charade of bullshit will fall down and what i mean by this and I'm going to jump way back to 2012. I was I was 
cyber harassed, cyber raped, cyber bullied, whatever you want to call it, by a team of nine individuals who made over 550 YouTube videos. And it turns out that one of those individuals had 999 accounts on YouTube. And this was my aha moment. When I tried to get in touch with YouTube, they only have one phone line. And it literally says on that phone line, if you're not law enforcement, hang up now. So I just left my messages anyway, which did not work. So I had to get dirty and hack these guys and get their names and addresses and literally do a six-hour Google Hangout where I showed the fronts of their houses, their names, their families, all that for them, all this to go away. But what I took away from all that was how many fake accounts are watching these videos. Then I got into the dirty world of subscription buying where channels literally inflate their numbers by paying services that have bought accounts that will then subscribe to them because all you have to do is trick that Google algorithm into believing you have more and more followers and then they'll start to promote you. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling you know, cycle at that point. So why am I talk, focusing so much on YouTube? Because fuck them with their fake numbers. What they're doing is what Twitter's doing is what Facebook is doing. They are, they are going to advertisers, and there should be a class action lawsuit. I am begging for this. I will sign up, and I will testify in front of Congress if this happens, and I will bring the dirty laundry with me. But what there needs to be is a class action lawsuit against these social media companies, and it should be brought by the advertisers themselves, but it also by the content creators, because what's happening is... They are going to the advertisers and they're saying, here is your reach. If you pay us X amount of dollars, you know, Y million people are going to see your advertisement. And then they print out little sheets and reports and they send them to the advertisers. They see your product was seen by 12 million viewers in approximately so-and-so days. Simultaneously, they're going to the content creator like me, the little channel, and going, you know, Jim, you got 5,000 views on this video yesterday, but we just rolled your view count back to 3,000 views. Because in, you know, double checking, because we don't want to pay you too much, we realized that up to 2,000 of these could have been fake viewers. You can't have it both ways. And at the end of the day, what Elon is exposing here is double check me if I'm wrong. I, I overheard that there are actually going to be SEC filings um, against Twitter now for falsely reporting their user base and profit margins and all of that sort of stuff to their stockholders. They committed fraud. Well, what the, what they're what they're floating are are numbers higher than twenty five twenty percent of the accounts on on Twitter. They said they have about two hundred twenty five million users, 
and I, I've seen some numbers floated as high as 20 to 25 percent are 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 not real, and that's outside of all of the the blacklisted words, the whitelisted words, and just keeping yeah. people in their their little echo chamber, ideological echo chambers. That's on on top of uh, you know compartmentalizing people in their and um, you know not not really having free open open uh, platform there. So as far as spam accounts, I've heard some egregious numbers that have been floated. 25% I think is an understatement. Wow. I think it's far, it's far greater than that. Um, f- fucking Fortnite, a video game has 390 million users. Okay. So you you mean to tell me Twitter has 220 million users. Um, reality check. Not that many people care about the news. Um, and, and there, uh, you know, most people are on, you know, Snapchat or you know, Pornhub. They just, they, there's no way they're even close to that. Now, I know this also because I used to be a member of Anonymous. It's not a secret anymore. And the other flip side of this is, yes, you have political organizations, um, perception managers. These are mind control agents that are out there to change public perception for politicians for companies brands pr public relations um then you have the military psyops and all that sort of stuff and then on top of all of that then you have what's called zombie nets have you ever heard of a zombie net no a zombie net is when i as a hacker decide to infect two hundred thousand two million computers with malware your computer is now my bitch and because i have a central control center i can rent out your computer by the hour to individuals and they use these for distributed denial of services attacks like what happened to um what is a woman you know Mm -hmm. um the daily wire came under ddos that's because some libtard owns a zombie net where he's you know literally he hacked hundreds of thousands of computers and can simultaneously say all of the computers that I've infected now attack this target. Very similarly, um, you can create hundreds of thousands of login accounts on Twitter and create automated Twitter bots that run in the background on your computer because it's infected. These are called zombie nets. Wow. Jeez. Same is true with YouTube. YouTube used to, you remember YouTube's downvoting um, slash deleted video yeah. bug that they had back in the day? People would literally, you know, come to my videos and spam up a thousand dislikes and then my video would be gone. And that's from one individual. And that's a from one individual who does not have, you know, real hacker skills. Now, the skilled hackers out there, they call it like ransomware as a service, software as a service, SAAS. These guys literally hire out armies of bots. So they're in the business of making bots on all these social media platforms. Um, And of course, you know, the military has every branch of the military has its own, you know, army of, um, you know, they got persona management. You can look this up, persona management software, where I actually was playing a video game with a dude who worked for the NSA. Wow, holy ringing in my ear right now. What the F? Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it's just, whoa. I'm just take that one off. Little, ten- little tinnitus? What? 
Yeah, I mean, serious, right in this ear just now. Like, bam. Um, but I was playing a video game as EverQuest 2 with a guy who worked for the NSA who literally said he had 10 computers and he had an eyepiece where he could look left or look right and switch between computers and that he could run multiple accounts on multiple different platforms simultaneously. And then it comes out on uh, FBO.biz, uh, the federal business opportunities.gov that they had this persona management software and they were basically the military was going, Hey, software creators, we would like to be able to run a virtual machine that has 50, you know, Facebook accounts, 50 Twitter accounts, 50 YouTube accounts, all with real histories dating back years with family members and friends that all interact with each other so that they appear real to do psychological operations on the public. So uh, the, the, the bot thing is a huge problem. Astroturfing yeah. is a huge problem. And I think Elon has literally awoken the Kraken and it's going to gobble up, um, not just Twitter. I, I, my prediction is that this will roll downhill and eventually reach, you know, Alphabet, Google, YouTube, and the meta Facebook Instagram crowd, I think, um, especially if we have the the level of turnaround that I expect to see coming. My wife is always um, a genius, and you know, whenever um, former Vice President uh, Joe Biden got elected, um, she said this is the best thing that could happen. And I looked at her, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Shut up. And um, at the end of the day, she's right. Because look at what's happened. You know, the day after the election, I told everybody, I said, it's going to be 4 or $5 a gallon. I was like, you voted for this. You know, I live in my hometown, 60% black people. So I just, I'm assuming, of course. And they're like, fuck you, dude. Um, look at where we are. So she was totally right. Now that all of this has happened, I think that the pendulum can only swing so far to, you know, one side before it starts to swing back. And guess what? It never swings back right to the center. It keeps on swinging. That's the problem. Yeah. So there, life is a balancing act. That, that's kind of the motto of this. So at the, of this show that um, now that we've had this wild swing towards all of this, you know, control and the shadow banning and the censoring I think that we're starting to swing back towards let freedom reign. And boy, I think that we're going to go way past let freedom reign to there will be accountability. And if that happens, I'm going to be right back on here and me and you are literally going to be going high five. <laughs> High five, my ninja! What's up, dude? Um, you're you're right on a lot of things there. You really are, and it's 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 crazy to put all this. You, you put a lot of things into perspective that we all just kind of have gut feelings about. But I will say one thing before we wrap up, Jim. Uh, on the class action lawsuit that you say you wish would happen on behalf of advertisers, especially on places like YouTube, there is also a very odd trend going on in the inverse of what you're describing of fake viewers and and using that to charge advertisers a certain sum and it's not really going anywhere my brother for example <clears throat> and he's one of many 
he has a uh, very successful music channel that he's been growing since he he got he went viral in 2014. Great music, by the way. Well, I, I and he would appreciate that if you said that, uh, if he heard you say that for sure. But you sent he, it to me, I loved it. I well, showed my daughter loved it. Hey, and you know what? It, it, it was. It was so amazing to be uh, in the back end of something like that and watch it happen. And now here we are. Um, since 2014, he has been able to collaborate with big artists and do great things. And he amassed about 3.5. He's about 3.5 million subscribers right now. But he and many of the people that he knows that he that are considered his peers and all that, they make completely uncontroversial music content. They are barely reaching any of their audience anymore right i, I mean it's a three and a half million people and his the quality of his creations i've never done and he and he doesn't it's not a one-trick pony there's all types of musical compositions they people who have subscribers i'm a i'm a smaller example of that i have about ninety three thousand subscribers supposedly on youtube and if i let this if i let this uh this episode rock out for a couple of weeks it might touch ten thousand ten thousand views that's it's 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 ridiculous, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat. I got twenty six thousand five hundred subs. Maybe I break a thousand views. But what's the um, point? My what, last video was like two thousand views. What's the it's point like, of that though, Jim? I mean, even if if you are, let's say you're controversial, if a if a Twitter, if a YouTube, or any of those mainstream big uh, you know big tech company uh, social media companies put out the have some of you on a platform if you're not dangerous enough to be removed completely then then why even for the most uncontroversial elements of the people that are in your ranks on your on your platform why are you going to make this such a uh, a mind fuck to get to the people who will voluntarily subscribe to you it's not saying that youtube has to promote any of us on the front page but why can't you even reach the people who 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 are there for you now you have to consider this all right and the same would be true for you so so i've been doing this 13 years you start out with your first thousand subs people you know may still have accounts and they still are subscribed to you but they don't watch youtube anymore that could be okay there no there's going to be a percentage of those people then there's other people who only have a finite amount of time and attention and they're subscribed to you, but they really only have time to watch a 10-minute video now because, you know, their life has changed. Uh, they're working at different hours. Um, they got kids or something like that. Um, you know, like my wife has gravitated towards watching, you know, mostly shorts on YouTube. She's just flipping through shorts um, because that's what she has time for. Um, she's not going to, you know, unless it's like Jordan Peterson or something like that, she'll dig into a full hour, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, Steven Crowder, you know, something like that. But that's rare. You know what I mean? That you have the time to do it. I mean, maybe you're making dishes, you're washing dishes and making dinner. You can put it up there and, you know, we watch well, the whole thing all well, the way Jim, through. That, that, would, that would explain, not to, not to interrupt you, but uh, I'm just trying to work the clock here. Um, that would explain someone like me. I understand that it is, I, the, the, quite frankly, in shows like it, are an acquired taste. The, the people that, that tune in are looking for a long-form conversation with a lot of different topic changes and stuff like that. But for yeah. but for someone like my brother who puts out a puts out videos that are historically under six minutes, it's right. it's it's completely it's it's crazy what's happening. 
and, and you'll see the same thing. And that's why I say you go back to the advertisers, not just the advertisers, but the content creators that when there, there's a, there's a term called pruning. And generally speaking, if you are a responsible company, if you're a responsible website owner, and we'll just use the example of a small website with a forum, you would go through so every so often and you would prune dead users. And what that means is you would go into the database, you would look at the last time somebody logged in, you would send out an email to the last email you had on file and you'd say, hey, we noticed you haven't logged into the website in six months. If you don't log in within the next month, we're going to delete your account. And then the numbers would constantly be re revised to only current users. Mm -hmm. So on top of what um, Elon's talking about with the bot problem, you have the dead voters, <laughs> for lack of better terminology, that are on these social media platforms. But why don't they prune these accounts? And the answer is very simple. Because when you're looking at these big advertisers with all this money, you want to claim you've got the most users with the most time on site. If you want to see how the internet works, go to alexa.com, type in a website, and then look at what metrics they use. If you look at the Alexa top 50, it'll tell you things like um, YouTube, and it'll say like time on site. Alexa top 50 sites. Now, a bunch of these are going to be porn. I'm going to do it along with you. Oh, and, and wait, Alexa, Alexa was retired on May 1st, 2022. Shut the fuck up. They, I swear, I look, I swear to God. Oh my God. End, end, end of service notice. It was retired on May 1st, 2022. More than two decades of helping you find, reach, and convert your digital audience. Thank you for making us oh, your good. Oh, because they don't want people to know. They don't, like, they don't want people to know. I'm so glad I brought that up. Wow. But, um, you, can, you can look at the, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, wow. man. You, you, it changes so fast. It changed so fast. Um, wow. I'm, I'm now I'm at a loss for words. So what I'm going to do now is Alexa top 50. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to bring it up on archive.org. Archive.org. That's what you have. To, everything's on archive.org now. Yeah. We'll just have to go there because otherwise uh, you, you won't be able to get it. But what, what you would have seen um is you could go to a, a, it's an Amazon company now. Oh, that's just sweet. So I'm going to go to the end of 2021 and just and hop in there and just see what we have. But you, you would go there and you would see rankings of websites based on how many people um, you know went to the website, uh, you know that sort of stuff. Um, SEO analysis, keyword research, check backlinks. You could do all these things to test out how you're reaching people. Um, and, I mean, you would look at the top ones, and it would be usually Google was number one, you know, with, you know, hundreds of millions of people literally per hour going to it. Um, and then you would see time on site. There were other metrics that they used to determine who was the top 50 websites? Well, recently um, it came out that um, Odyssey, 
you know, the video service competitor to YouTube took on Rumble, the other video service, um, for using fake accounts and using fake metrics to inflate their time on site. And this came out on Twitter. And then simultaneously, Rumble threatened to sue Odyssey if they didn't delete the damn tweet. And Odyssey said, you know what? Fuck you. We're not taking down the tweet. You are inflating your numbers. So at the end of the day, it's a battle of artificially inflated numbers to gain the largest market share because the legacy media can barely garner 500,000 active viewers on some of the biggest television shows. Meanwhile, you've got jackasses on YouTube raking in millions of views, um, and they can't compete with that. So which is it? I mean, what's real? What isn't? Um, Tom McDonald tried to get on the Billboard top one, you know, top fifty. He was he literally would have been on the top slot in like so many different categories, but they refused to count his physical sales. So at the end of the day, it's all about perception and metrics and how to artificially inflate or deflate those metrics for whatever nefarious purpose, but usually it's about money. Well, it's hey, it's about money, money and money. And even when we talk about climate, it's about money. So it's about money for sure. That's Jim. It, it is always, always uh, an amazing time with you on this show. I'm glad we did a whole robust hour today, did everything I wanted to hit and more. And, uh, and I, I'm, I got to, I look forward to, we have to get you back on the on the uh, the calendar for mid to late July or something like that. Got to do at least once a month, man. Well, I, you know, I'm 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 about I would say seventy percent done with my studio, and uh, then we're wide open. Um, I'm going to be doing m many more videos on my YouTube channel. You guys can follow me, Cli uh, Climate Viewer on YouTube, all one word, Climate Viewer. Or go to connect.climateviewer.com, and you can see all of my my stuff, my three websites, BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey. Um, but, yeah, I definitely want to be on here more often. Uh, you would not believe the amount of people in my live stream that said, found you through, quite frankly. And then I, I immediately, every time I see your name in chat, I do the exact same thing. I say, if you're not watching, quite frankly, you need to go right now to quitefrankly.tv pull your head out of your ass, hit that subscribe button on all of his things because I want real people sub to you. Um, and clearly, you know, I have an audience that cares about all the facts, um, you know, all the details. Um, and they, they like that long because I'm Southern, man. I have never said anything real fast in a short manner in my entire fucking life. <laughs> I I'm know. not going to start now. <laughs> I know. That's one thing I always tell myself when I actually travel down south. Calm down, Frank, and just go with the flow because yeah. it's, not, it's not like it is up here. Oh, dude. But the thing I can say that I honestly I really respect about um, people from New York is whenever I'm talking to friends that I have in New York, I'm like, okay, got to go. They're like, bye, click. Gone. I mean, it's instantly, instantly. No questions asked. Down here, um, no, honey, or so and so. I, I really got to get off the phone. They're like, hold on one second. <laughs> I need. 
Just one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there is that. So are, are you telling me that you just want me to hang up with you right now to, to end this? Um, Frank? It's yeah. been fun. It's been real, but right. it ain't been real fun. All right, Talk man. to you later, brother. <laughs> Jim Lee, climateviewer.com. Love you, Jim. Love you too, bro. All right, take care. Bye. There you Bye. go. That's it. That's it. All right, it's 8.33. Such a fun time, right? Doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's all good. All right, so I'm going to do something real quick. We're going to go on a really quick break. For intermission, when we come back, I have to do a, a fun a fun story, and then we'll go right into our badass, and hopefully, I mean, it's Wednesday. That should be Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv, so don't go anywhere after the show, but plenty to do, plenty to do still. Be our back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I want to thank you all so much for watching. Um, that's why the talks like that we have tonight is... I have a lot of those talks with Jim off-air from time to time. And that's why I always just... The, the real metric to me is how many people are interacting, how many people call in, how many people are sponsoring the show. If you haven't become a sponsor of the show, please consider it. It only takes a dollar a month. On QuiteFrankly.tv, you can see all of your options on the Sponsor Us station. The Sponsor Us link on QuiteFrankly.tv. 
there's specialty uh, just to let you all know by the way there's plenty of room because we we've been inflating all of the inventory on subscribe star to get people off of patreon slowly and get over there so we've inflated the inventory of slots on the specialty tiers for monthly postcard tiers you get a postcard for me every month uh the polaroid the awkward polaroid club you want an awkward polaroid for me every month i take a picture of some situation i usually have my clothes on and i send it off send it off to you and then there is pen pals there's so many great ways to to um to support the show um but if but through quite frankly tv it's some a little as a dollar a month a twelve dollars a year and you are at the very least getting priority messaging and emailing with me and you're getting the link every Sunday to the Sunday streams so go ahead and there you have it the P.O. box is also on the the, the uh, website as well if you ever want to send a holiday card we like getting those and I want to do more unboxings too on air I want to do more unboxings so you can send things to the P.O. Box, and I'll just bring them to the studio, and one night I'll just take a chance that it's all appropriate. Who the hell knows? Okay, um, I have some super chats, and then let's get into this this very funny situation I want to read out, off to you. So this is from Shake and Bake. Shake and Bake says, Jim Lee is magnetic as ever. I appreciate his optimism, and I hope his views on that optimism come to bear in our lifetime. The pendulum will keep swinging until someone or something cuts the thread off. Love you, Lord Francis. That's what I always say. We need to smash the pendulum. It's not enough to send it into the opposite extreme. Cody says... Part 1. Clyde Lewis had a show on this topic. He talked about how Columbus tricked people in Cuba into thinking that he was a, sir, a savior by timing a solar eclipse and told the people that he would take away the sun if they didn't agree to his demands. Oh, really? Didn't know that. Part 2. None of them believed him until the sun disappeared. Uh, once the sun disappeared, all of the people came to him and agreed to his demands and begged him to make the sun reappear. Part three, all of this was possible because Columbus had knowledge that the people in Cuba were ignorant of. So I guess that's what you're talking about with grand solar minimums. What does that mean? But then again, I guess it's just the mass, the mass of people are ignorant to it. And there are those who can take advantage of it. Uh, part four from Cody says the same thing is happening now with our government and other elites. Once we enter a mini ice age in 2025, they will act like saviors, even though it's just a natural sun cycle. Even though a mini ice age, you have to imagine, is not going to be very fun. You think that they would give us just like a, a happy medium that everybody's, you know, in good shape. But nope. Rick from Tulsa says, Hi, Frank. Have you ever read any of E. Michael Jones's work? Highly recommended. I also think he would be a perfect guest to have on the show. Thank you for your hard work and dedication to building such a unique and awesome community, Rick. I appreciate that very much, Rick. Um, I will look into him 100%. I'm putting together a high-value target list for guest bookings because now I have a new booking guy that I'm working with, a friend of mine. 
and I'm going to be giving a lot of things off to him. A lot of stuff. David Politis type stuff. Uh, Jesse Lee Peterson. Critical Drinker. I want to get all these people on. It's going to get a lot of fun. Have a lot of fun. Chet Nix says, Frank, I used to work for Florida Institute of Technology, a university for founding the support of what uh, was founded with support of and which a dorm named after Gus Grissom, who died in Apollo 1 disaster. On the 50th anniversary of that event, there was no memorial. Hmm. Well, what does that mean? Thank you guys and gals for this. Remember, we're donating all of the quite frankly superchat.com contributions this week. Fat Boy Vince says this is what happens when you have Jim Lee on your show. Oh wow. I got a contribution from Fat Boy Vince because Jim Lee was on. Gotta bring Jim Lee on every night. Hope everybody on Rockfin is enjoying themselves. Hope everybody on Rumble is enjoying themselves. We have a, a few super chats over there. Very generous. Selling the Farm says, Jim Lee, thanks, Frank. Love this show. We have an extremely generous super chat on Rumble from PDR111. Says, what exactly is a Yankee? Judge has 22 home runs already. Stanton hit 59 in 2017. Well, I mean... I don't know. Judge is, is doing very well this year. Very, very well. The Yankees are doing fantastic. And the biggest surprise has been the pitching. Mr. Manatee says loving your side your slide to the questioning uh, your slide to the question everything side. Well, my I have I have been here for a long time, my friend. I don't know how long you've been here, but I'm glad that you've joined us. But I'll continue to slide that way. If I get rigid, with too rigid with the programming, then what's the point? Other other thing you have to always remember is that you can have such an open mind, as they say, that your brains falls out. So, I'm not one to shy away from a theory or a new way of looking at something, but uh, I, I consider that matters of style and matters of principle stand like a rock. This Thomas Jefferson would say. And uh, PDR111, thank you again. It, it's so incredibly generous of you on the Rumble Rants. On Pilled, Judy the Ladypug says, first cookie. Donkey Punch says, been watching for a couple of years. Frank, love you. Love you, Donkey Punch. Go easy out there. Thank you, PQuest, Sean Joe, Robert Sarns. Donkey Punch again says, please bring back the old-timey intermission, black and white dancers. We will. We will. We can recycle some of them, too, because there's a lot of classics. I would hate to see them be one and done. Uh, Doug625, another great show, as always, listening at work in Michigan. I hope I'm making work more enjoyable for you, Doug, and hopefully I'm not pulling your attention away from something that can get somebody killed. And Foxy Lady, thank you. Now, here's the story I have to do for you, with you, to you. Now, just a really quick uh, side note here. I did not watch this movie, not interested in it, but I have seen this thing crop up around it and I think it's just hilarious. Sony released a movie adaptation of the Morbius comic book. 
uh, again, a comic book I haven't I haven't read either, though I I, I knew I knew the backstory of the whole thing because I have a lot of big comic book fan friends and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a Marvel story. There's a scientist that has some kind of a blood disease. He tries to cure himself, turns him into a day-walking vampire. Uh, anyway, they adapted it for film. And they cast Jared Leto as the lead, which seems to be a recipe for a bomb these days in itself, but I digress. Anywho, um, I didn't watch it, but I saw a few things start taking places taking place on platforms like Tumblr and a few other sites. Though the movie was absolutely bombing, <laughs> bombing, it was going super viral with the memes and uh, that, that they were generating inside of certain fandoms and shit posters. It was it really the memes were going insane. Now, I didn't understand most of them because you have to understand the content to actually get the references. But I still can see that this shit was taking off. And I was I. I thought it was great just seeing the, the 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 contrast between the financial failure and what was going on on the internet. I thought that what was happening to Morbius in the in the shit posting realm was hilarious. So Sony, these stupid corporate stiffs out there, they see this going on. They go, "Holy shit, the memes are going viral. These meme these memes are viral AF. We need to re-release the film." to 1,000 movie theaters across the country to cash in on all of the nature, all of the hype of the memes. Maybe we can cash in on this. Okay, here is the, here is the, um, here's the June 2nd headline from comicbook.com. Morbius returning to theaters following social media meme campaign. Sony's Morbius movie is returning to theaters. Comicbook.com can confirm. New showtimes for the film will begin on Friday, June 3rd, with um, box office something reporting that it will be added to over 1,000 theaters. This comes over two months after the Marvel comic book-inspired film first made its theatrical debut and several weeks after the movie already became available to purchase on digital platforms. Morbius was largely panned, that's not a good thing, panned by critics upon its original debut and underperformed at the box office with a domestic total of $73 million and a worldwide total of $163 million. That being said, the film has already developed a cult status upon hitting digital with Morbius and various Morb-related memes trending on Twitter for the better part of the past week, as well as calls from fans to greenlight a sequel. The film also continues to have a passionate online Discord community and even made headlines. So it's really just the memes and it was all focused mainly about how bad and disjointed the whole thing was. So then I come, I, I come upon this little thread on Tumblr, which I thought was funny. I'll just start with the OP, the OP's thre- uh, uh, post and um, I'll start with the OP and then we'll, we'll go on down. Here you have it. OP says, so apparently Morbius is returning to like a thousand theaters today in a blatant attempt to cash in on the memes we've all been making. Listen to me. Look at me in the eye while I'm saying this to you. Listen. It is of the utmost importance that absolutely no one goes to see this movie now. It is the best and indeed the only way that we can end this horrible, brilliant joke. We are so close, you guys. We are so close. Other people started tacking onto the thread saying it's going to bomb twice and that is so beautiful. 
And then another person says, it's your moral and spiritual duty to ensure that Morbius bombs again. And then it's followed up by a recent headline from Forbes, Hollywood and Entertainment, box office, Morbius bombs again with only $85,000 earned at the box office on Friday, which is horrible. <laughs> and everybody's celebrating like it's the end scene on Endor from Return of the Jedi when they blew up the Death Star. And it's just this shitty little movie adaptation of the Morbius comic book. Here it is. From Uproxx, headline, the Morbius re-release only wound up giving it a chance to bomb all over again. This is written by Matt Pridge. For the, th the last two weeks, Morbius was trending on Twitter, the Jared Leto starring comic book movie about a scientist who accidentally turns himself into a vampire. It didn't do so hot when it hit theaters in April, but all of a sudden it was the talk of the internet. It wasn't exactly because people adored it, because it became a joke, and even its star got in on the action. Amidst the hullabaloo, Sony decided to give it a little re-release, but just because something's a hit on social media doesn't translate into a hit in the movie theaters. Sure enough, as per Forbes, Morbius Mulligan did not go so well. On Friday, the day the film was re-dropped in theaters, it grossed a mere $85,000. For some perspective, on the same day, Top Gun Maverick, the movie everyone's seeing, grossed $25 million. Morbius couldn't even break the $100,000 mark. <laughs> they thought the memes could help them. I am going to see Top Gun, though. I told Lauren, I said, we're going to get a babysitter, and we are going to either go to a Friday matinee, or we're going to a Sunday matinee. I'm going to see that this is going to be the first time I walk into a movie theater since I saw 1917 in, in either December of 2019 or early, early January 2020. I got to see it. I'm hearing such amazing things. I love the old Top Gun. It is just straight cheese. It's one of those things that will never let you down. Cheesy, cheesy, but awesome. Rah, rah, USA. Um... And a pretty good soundtrack, too. So, I'll, I'll, I'm going to see that, and we'll talk about it for sure. We definitely will. All right, so that's what I had for you there. 8.52, guess what we have to do? It's time to talk about our badass of the night. And who the hell is it? That's what we need to know. Well, we'll figure that out right now. some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is. And our badass for the night is Catherine Leroy. That's right. Well, we we got to do a lot of great research. She's become a feminist figure, a hero, because she's a, a, a girl who put herself into a really string of really shitty situations. But went out there and did it. Reckless abandon, did something incredible. But still, here it is. Who is Catherine Leroy? A French-born photojournalist and war photo photographer whose stark images of battle illustrated the story of Vietnam War in the pages of Life magazine and other publications. Leroy was brought up in, uh, in a convent in Paris. She was moved by images of war she had seen in Paris, uh, Paris and decided she wanted to travel to Vietnam to give war a human face. 
At the age of 21, she booked a one-way ticket to Laos in 1966 with just one Leica M2 camera and $100 cash in her pocket. A year later, she became the first accredited journalist, male or female, to participate in a combat parachute jump, joining the 173rd Airborne Brigade in Operation Junction City. Two weeks after the battle for Hill 881, she was wounded with a Marine unit near the demilitarized zone. In 1968, during the Tet Offensive, Leroy was captured by the North Vietnamese Army. She managed to talk her way out and emerged as the first newspaper person, news person, to take photos of North Vietnamese Army regular, uh, regulars behind their own lines. The story made the cover of Life magazine. Her most famous photo, Corman in Anguish, was one of three taken in quick succession portraying U.S. Navy Corman Vernon Wyke. In the pictures, a sailor is crouched in the tall grass during the battle for Hill 881 near Quezon. He is cradling his comrade who has been shot while smoke from the battle rises into the air from behind them. In the first frame, Wyke has two hands on the friend's chest trying to, st- uh, trying to staunch the wound. In the second, he is trying to find a heartbeat. In the third frame, Corman in anguish. He has just realized the man is dead. After Vietnam, she covered conflicts in several countries, including Northern Ireland, Cyprus, Somalia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Libya, and Lebanon. After her experiences in Beirut, she swore off war coverage. In 1972, Leroy shot and directed Operation Last Patrol, a film about Ron Kovic and the anti-war Vietnam veterans. Leroy also co-authored a book, God Cried, about the siege of West Beirut by the Israeli army in 1982. She won numerous awards for her uh, work, including George Polk Award in 1967, Picture of the Year, the Sigma Delta Chai, uh, uh, Chai and, uh, or Chi, Chai, why well, I'm not good at any of that Greek shit. Get that out of here. I'm not that educated. The Art Directors Club of New York. She was the first woman to receive the Robert Kappa Gold Medal Award. Best published uh, photographic reporting from abroad requiring exceptional courage and enterprise. For her coverage of the Civil War in Lebanon in 1976, in 1997, she was the recipient of an honor award for distinguished service in journalism from the University of Missouri. There you have it. And many of these ladies and gentlemen are, uh, are suggested by you, the viewers. So thank you once and all, once and uh, one and all. And that's what we have for you tonight. 8.56. And we're off. That's all I have. That's all I can do. I'm going to thank a few more people on the Super Chats just to make sure that we have not missed anyone. And then I'm going to leave you in the loving arms of whatever we have going on for Rabbit Hole Wednesdays on the website, quitefrankly.tv. So if you're not there already, open up a tab and get there. Doug625, another great show as always, listening at work in Michigan. I already got to that. Doug, I hope you're still still you're still safe. Uh, Swickly, cheers, Frank. Have a great night, sir. Have a great night to you too, Swickly. I am releasing the scratching. So I hope you all get a nice little scratch in there. And what else do we have? Rumble, you guys have been wonderful to me. Thank you, everybody, on Rockfin. And over on, quite frankly, superchat.com, one last pick through. Captain Cast Iron says, just saying hello. Nice to have you stop by. Thank you to everybody on Theta, my wonderful friends, the OGs on YouTube, Twitch, DLive. Oh, boy. 
We've done so much together, and tomorrow's another day. Rob is stopping by. Frank and Jim Zell will be calling in. Plenty of subject matter to get to, plus your calls and all that other stuff. I will see you. Oh, 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 by the way, uh, uh, Lauren is very uh, happy right now. She she tweeted, at, uh, she just texted me. She said, yay, that was my badass. So Lauren had suggested that. I actually completely forgot. I should have written a little bit note there. You see, that's my wife. My wife. There she is. I'm going to go home, tickle her to death now. Oh, first I'm going to go pick up a uh, chocolate milkshake for her. And then I'll go home and tickle her to death. So that's it. Tomorrow I will be a widower because she will have been tickled to death by almost 10 hours by that point. I'll see you guys. Good night. And thank you for everything. Thanks again, Jim Lee. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed by a uh, filmed in front of a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with the top: Captain Castiron, Fat Boy Vince, Shake and Bake, Cody, Rick from Tulsa, and Chet Nick. Thank you, guys. Thank you, gals. Tomorrow's another day. Thank you for tonight.